Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn Siepert. This is episode number two. Episode number two. This is the first kind of official, um, I guess, deep dive into What If Project stuff. Uh, last week was more of an introduction, kind of just talking about the some of the background to the project, um, how it came to be what it's all about, what you can expect, a general tour of the website and where to sign up for this and how to sign up for that and go like the Facebook page and you know where to find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and Google Play and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so this, now we get into the good stuff. Uh, now we get into the good things, all of the things right here. Uh, so for what we're going to be doing for the... Um, for the fall here at the What If Project, uh, basically really all the way up until Christmas time, is we're going to be making our way through um, the book of Mark. So the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to be blogging through it. Uh, I'm going to be doing some YouTube videos about it. Um, Obviously the podcast, which are audio versions of those um, posts, are going to be all geared in that direction. Um, Some of the, the two interviews that I did... Uh, one of them kind of touches on Mark a little bit. Um, a small group that we're doing, the online small group, which, by the way, uh, this is the last day that you can sign up. Uh, September 3rd, this is the last day. Um, so you definitely should head over there if you're interested and sign up. Um, we already have a, a good amount of people who are there. Um, what we're going to be doing is meeting uh, once a week from mid-September to mid-November, uh, Sunday nights, 9 o'clock. We're going to be studying, you guessed it, the book of Mark, and we're going to be using a study guide by N.T. Wright called Mark for Everyone, Um, just basically reading through Mark, answering the questions in the study guide. We come together uh, on Zoom video chat. We talk about it, maybe pray for each other. We're probably going to share communion together a couple of times. It's going to be really, really cool. Um, So head over there, whatifproject.net slash discussions hyphen group. You can go to the, the show notes, the link will be in there, um, or just go to whatifproject.net and click on groups and it will take you there. Anyway, so all that to say, this is episode number two, getting into the good stuff. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the background and context of the Gospel of Mark, why it's important, and I'm going to leave you with something that I think is super encouraging. So the title of today's episode is The Gospel, Not What You Thought. Not What You Thought. So the year was 64, uh, which sounds funny because now it's like year 2018. So we're going back a ways. Uh, The year 64 uh, AD, a fire erupted in Rome. And this fire roared for five days straight. And then it went quiet. And then it reignited. And then it burned really hard for like another two days. So as you can imagine, the city was pretty much like all but level to the ground. And very little, if anything at all, was, was left. Uh, people were devastated. People died. Tons were injured. Everybody's in shock. And the empire that was once like the strongest and most feared on all of the earth, really all of a sudden wasn't that scary. Uh, the question, though, as you can imagine, remained... You know, who, who's to blame, right? Like, who started the fire? Where, where did it come from? You know, why did it blaze so hard? Why did it stop? And then why did it start again? And 
how will justice be served? Who's going to pay for this? Um, so the survivors began to reassemble, you know, whatever was left of their lives. And pretty soon a rumor began to spread that Emperor Nero, uh, the emperor of Rome, was responsible for the fire. Now, history tells us that um, at this time in history, he had like grand dreams and schemes and proposals that were drawn up to uh, essentially rebuild Rome into an amazing, beautiful, uh, like modern type city. And so the gossip, the rumor was that uh, burning it to the ground would obviously assure him that his plans would move forward without a hitch, right? So if the city is burned to the ground, it needs to be rebuilt so Emperor Nero can just kind of come in with his blueprints and they can get to work. So people began to point fingers. His officials became angry. Gossip began to grow. It spread and it spread and it spread. And all of a sudden, Nero finds himself like up to his eyeballs, you know, in hot water, and he needed to find somebody, somewhere, somehow, uh, to blame. Now, fortunately, or I should say, unfortunately for the Jews, the Jewish part of the city remained completely untouched by the fire. Um, and the reason was because it was like on the other side of the river, on the very far outskirts of the city. So distance from the city, obviously, is what caused it not to burn. But Nero spun this crazy like web of lies and convinced the Roman world that the reason it didn't burn was because the Jews started the fire as an act of war and saw to it that their small ghetto of a city would remain untouched and unhindered. Uh, The Jews are mocking us, he said, right? The Jews did this to us. The Jews have always wanted to overthrow us, right? They need to pay. So desperate now to calm the wrath of an emperor who was known for being a crazy person, Um, who would surely just obliterate the Jewish world, someone approached Emperor Nero and confessed and said that a small group of Jews actually did start the fire, but this was a rogue group of Jews, um, not really acting on behalf of the larger group. This group, this person said, was the Messianic Jews, or the Jews who declared themselves to be followers of Jesus. Now, scholars aren't exactly sure about the chain of events from there, Uh, but what they are sure of is that Nero then demanded that the Jewish world partner with the Roman world to identify each and every one of these Jewish Christians in Rome so that they could be destroyed. So as you can imagine, like a mini genocide literally broke out as Roman soldiers would drag Christians out of their homes um, and to the floor of the Circus Maximus, which was like a a stadium-type place, which was now temporarily set up um, away from the debris of the fire, but drag these people there, sprinkle them with blood, and they would be attacked by dogs. All the while, the Roman soldiers and citizens stood by, watched, and cheered. Heads of households turned on members of the family to save their own lives. Neighbors turned on neighbors. Friends betrayed friends. Parents betrayed children. Children against parents. And as a side note, and I don't know if this is how much truth there is to this, but what if it's true, right? Uh, Maybe that's why in Mark chapter 13, verse 12, Mark has Jesus saying that a time would come when brother would betray brother to death, father is child, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. I wonder if those words sent chills down the spine of Mark's readers because that's the exact world that they were living in. Um, But sadly, in the end, almost the entire Roman community of Messianic Jews was destroyed, 
And, and the majority of the small band of Christ followers in that great empire was as demolished as the city itself. Now, why do I tell you all of this? Like, what's the point? Well, because it's in this context of this like terrible nightmare that Mark composed his gospel um, as a gift to the Jewish Christians of Rome. Of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark is the earliest to be written, dating somewhere around the mid-60s, which probably between 66 and 70, somewhere in that date range. Um, and it was written amidst this wrath and or this aftermath of Emperor Nero. And why do I tell you that? Because when it comes to reading the Bible, context is everything. Like, I don't know about you, but I was always taught that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, they're nothing more than historical records of Jesus's life that were written by, you know, four different guys who wrote from four different perspectives, all with the same goal, just to tell us a little bit more about Jesus. Now, I heard that growing up in a private Christian school, church, Bible studies, Bible college, seminary. I mean, heck, I even said it countless times from the pulpit. And, and it's kind of true. Like, obviously, there's four gospels, four people, four stories, right? So there's, it's told in four different ways. But it's also a very incomplete answer or a very uh, incomplete description, I should say. Because, you see, the author of Mark's gospel was writing to a broken and discouraged people who found themselves feeling abandoned by the Savior in whom they put their faith. And they found themselves with very little, if anything at all, to live for. I mean, their family's lost, right? Their dignity is no more. Their friends are gone. Their homes are destroyed. They'd been sold out by the larger Jewish community, um, sold out by people who they thought they were a part of, right? They thought they were family. So what's the point, they might have asked. You know, we gave everything for Jesus, and for what? Uh, this is important stuff to keep in mind when we read the stories that Mark shares with us because he's including them, he's, he's crafting them into the narrative of his story, not to give us a historical record about Jesus, not just to tell us, you know, what Jesus did, or not just to make us, just to make Jesus's life, you know, uh, written down, just to make sure that it could be handed down for generations, but he's writing primarily, first and foremost, to encourage his readers to cling to their Savior, to push forward, to keep moving, to trust in the one who can calm the storm, as he wrote about in his book, right? When we read his stories in that light, with that background in mind, uh, they may very well take on an entirely new and different meaning. And so although you and I might, you know, have never been stared down by an evil emperor who was threatening to have us ripped apart by bloodthirsty dogs, I, I do think we all know what it feels like to be, to be alone, right? Like alone, abandoned, hopeless, left wondering if God really does exist. Uh, we all know that, that feeling, and so I think we can all find a piece of ourselves in the hearts and lives and experiences of Mark's readers, and therefore be encouraged and challenged by the stories and great narrative that Mark shares with them. Uh, so that said, let's turn real quick to verse 1. Mark opens up the gospel. He says, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, in all of, the, all of the Bible, this might be like the most meaning-packed statement ever recorded, because for Mark's readers, those early beat-up Christians, the terms gospel and son of God meant something entirely different than they might mean to you and me. Uh, gospel was a Greek expression that literally meant glad tidings. And according to the uh, Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, it was a technical term for news 
of victory, especially in a military battle. Um, In the Roman Empire, for example, it was a term that was literally shouted in the streets when Rome would take a colony or province under its control following some kind of victory. Glad tidings are coming because Rome has extended its power over your city, right? Rome is now your parent. Rome is your new mother. Rome is your new home, your new protector. Rome is victorious. And this is gospel. This is good news. This is glad tidings, right? That's what that word gospel meant to the people who were living in the time of Mark. And son of God was a term that Caesar used in reference to himself. In fact, printed on on many Roman coins was an inscription, and I might really mess this up when I read it, uh, but it read uh, Tiberius Caesar Divi Augusti Philivus Augustus. Okay, and what that means is Caesar Augustus Tiberius, son of the divine Augustus, which laid claim that Caesar Augustus was the son of God, a claim that dated all the way back to 42 B.C., when his stepfather, who was Julius Caesar, died and was given the title of the divine Julius Caesar. He was known as the son of God. So as Mark opens up his story, really, I mean, his gloves are off. He's taking a direct shot at the emperor and all of the Roman Empire, because in essence, he's declaring that good news doesn't lie in the Roman Empire. Good news has nothing to do with the military strength of Rome and Caesar. And Caesar isn't any more divine than a pesky mosquito, right? Good news, he says, is found in none other than Jesus, the only and true Son of God. And the news is good, he says, even in the midst of the horror that you, Rome, have bestowed upon my people, right? We will keep believing. We will keep following the true Son of God. We will keep our faith. There's nothing you can do to take it away. You could try your best. You can tap into your darkest evil, but we're still here. We're still believing, loving, joyful, holding on to hope. Jesus is King, Caesar is not. That's what Mark is saying here. Um, In his commentary on Mark, Ched Myers puts it like this. He says, Mark is serving notice that he is challenging the apparatus of imperial propagation. His dramatic opening, unlike the birth story of Matthew and Luke, heralds the advent of an anointed leader who is confirmed by the deity and who proclaims a kingdom of his own. In other words, Mark is taking a direct aim at Caesar and his myths. Do you see what a revolutionary statement Mark is making with this opening line? Here's what I want you to take away. Okay, all of that, here it is. I'm not sure what fires you have blazing in your life. And I don't know what kind of enemy is hunting you down. Like maybe your Nero is cancer. Maybe your marriage is ablaze with problems. Maybe financial messes, bills you can't pay, a teenager who won't talk to you, a job you just lost, a mountain of schoolwork you're trying to keep up with. I don't know where, where in your life you're feeling lonely, maybe even betrayed uh, by some divine power that you thought you could trust. And I don't know what kind of Nero's are running through your life wrecking havoc at every turn, but what I do know is that there is good news, even in the midst of all of that. And that as powerful and overwhelming and scary as those fires and those enemies feel, Jesus, the true Son of God, is alive and He's with you every step of the way. And so as Mark said to his readers, so, so I say to you today, keep the faith, my friends. Uh, everything around you might be burning. Everything around you might be collapsing. Um, people might have walked out of your life, might have left you, might have abandoned you. Uh, but God is not done. The king, no matter how you feel today, the king is here 
And in that, you can be glad. Uh, Love and peace to you. Hope you have a fantastic week, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for stopping by the What If Project podcast today. It was great to have you here, and I really just appreciate your your support. And hey, if this encouraged you at all, if it challenged you, if it pushed you, uh, challenging your perspective and how you understand the Bible, I would just ask that you head over to your podcast uh, listening platform of choice, whether that be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, wherever it is that you're listening to this now, and uh, leave some feedback, leave a rating. Um, those ratings definitely help because it helps uh, bump the podcast up a little bit in iTunes, um, and it gives people also a little bit of a kind of a look as to what to expect when they read what other people are saying about it. So if you could do that for me, that would be fantastic. Also, head over to the Facebook page, and um, you can go to Facebook, type in "What If Project." The page will pop up. Give it a like. Feel free to join in whatever kind of discussion may be going on there, and also keep an eye out. Uh, for the upcoming online small group. Right now, we're in the middle of one for Mark. Uh, There will be coming another one later on, probably very early in the new year. So if you'd like to sign up for that, um, all of the things will be up, pointing you in the right direction, and it would be great to see you there. So again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.